fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. Middle of the week, greatest day of the entire week, my friends. It is a Wednesday, which means we get to carpe diem all over this place the way we do every single day. Welcome into it, and happy Saints Day for for those of you that celebrate that one, I'm not Catholic, so I don't know all the saints, but happy Saints Day if that's what you celebrate as well. Whatever you do, what a cel- it's always a party. Why not? Another opportunity for us to celebrate and have a good time. Welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are, of course, all over the country, multiple stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, it's always wonderful to have you along for the ride. You're a millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. Bottom of this hour, Congressman Bob Latta from the 5th District of Ohio. We get him on about monthly-ish, and we get the latest out of Washington, D.C. And here's some good news. You want some good news of the day? Here's the good news of the day from The Voice of Reason. Is that apparently, according to the congressman, they are working diligently behind the scenes because by the end of this week their goal is to have three count them uno dos tres different appropriations bills that will be on the floor to be voted on putting us up to eight appropriation bills completed out of the 12 as we get closer to that deadline for the continuing resolution and that my friends should be celebrated so very good news indeed we'll talk about some of those details here in just a little bit with congressman bob Letta at the bottom of this hour speaking of the house of representatives man we have so much to get to in our latest and what's trending what's trending today there are some bills from the biden administration we'll talk about here momentarily but the house of representatives now that we are back in action it sounds like another one bites the dust another one's announcing his retirement leaving the house of representatives as Ken Buck from the state of Colorado says that he is out, finito, and will not be running for re-election in 2024, in which case we bid you adieu here properly on The Voice of Reason. Andy, you're so mean. Now, uh, here's the thing. Outside of the last month during this whole Speaker of the House issue, show of hands, outside of anyone who actually lives in Ken Buck's district in the state of Colorado, does anybody even know who this guy is? I mean, not not really. We don't really know a whole lot about him, other than he was one of the eight that did vote out Kevin McCarthy, trying to be Mr. Conservative, then turned around and said that his number one focus of the Republican Party is trying to get a non-election denier into the office, which is why he voted against Jim Jordan, which is why he voted against Steve Scalise. Apparently, they were too radical for him, and he didn't like them as, quote-unquote, election deniers for the Trump administration uh, and for those that said that they didn't uh, they didn't agree with it for whatever reason. So his comments said that the Republican Party right now is having an identity crisis. If we can't address the election denier issue and we continue down that path, we won't have credibility with the American people that we are going to and that we are going to solve problems. That's his response. Now, again, outside of this is a guy trying to make some hard stance and saying he's not going to run for the House of Representatives again after five terms. And all of these five terms that he's been in there, again, outside of this whole month where he was one of those that voted against Kevin McCarthy, did we even know who this guy was? Who the f*** is that guy? I, I mean, let's be, <laughs> let's be honest. 
He wasn't really one that was standing out as Mr. Conservative to solve all the issues. And if this is your one singular issue, then it's time for you to get over it, right? I mean, people are allowed to have their opinions, and some people genuinely believe that the election was fraudulent under the Trump 2020 election, or, yeah, 2020 election, we're already three years into Biden. Good golly, breaks my brain a little bit. So if people have that opinion, they're allowed to have that opinion. You're allowed to question opinions. You are allowed to challenge opinions. You are allowed to challenge elections and question elections. And apparently this guy says that he doesn't like that opinion. So he's going to step down. And again, we don't really care. So one more time, salute, my friend. We'll see you later. The only problem I have with that is that Colorado is turning more and more purple. And that's probably why is because he's trying to stand up for his constituency. And I am a little concerned about what we could see as a replacement with Ken Buck in 2024. Moving forward, because I could see someone that is maybe even not even if not Democrat, a very moderate Republican candidate coming into that seat moving forward. So it could change the dynamic of the House of Representatives just a little bit. But overall, here's the thing that we need to really be praising ourselves with. And I think this is something that is a positive in this is that he did vote for Mike Johnson. And Mike Johnson is being at least criticized by the Democrat Party as also an election denier. So what made him step into supporting Mike Johnson as Speaker of the House, but didn't vote for Steve Scalise or didn't vote for Jim Jordan? The things that make you go, hmm, right? Makes you uh, uh, ponder just a little bit, which means what probably happened was that the Republican Party, for the first time in a very long time, got the House Majority Whip. And the Republican Party as a caucus to actually force them to say, you know what, we have to unite as a party and make this happen. This has gone on way too long. Our ratings are starting to go down into a major election season, and we have to show unity for once and actually make this happen. Even though I'm sure a lot of them, including Ken Buck himself, probably did not like voting for someone like Mike Johnson for Speaker of the House. He plugged his nose and made it happen because the party told him to do so. And that, my friends, shows that for once in a very long time, we actually had unity within the Republican Party because the whips of the party actually did their damn job and hurtled everybody around, rallied them up, put them in the same um, room, I guess, if you want to call it that, and say, you know what, we're going to make this happen and actually vote in unison. And I think that's a win for us. That's a win for us. Yeah. Applaud yourself. Pat yourself on the back for a second. Why? Because that doesn't happen very often. And now that we show that we can do it, I want to see that happen more frequently. We saw it with our latest appropriations bill last week with the energy and water bill, where only one Republican walked away from that. So shame on them. And I want to see the same thing with all of these appropriation bills coming up at the end of the week. I want to see it with the splitting of the funding for Israel versus Ukraine and all the other bills that we're working on in the House of Representatives right now. That is good news. And it shows that we can do it. It doesn't happen frequently. But it can be done. Things are possible when you actually set your mind to it. That being said, let's get into the other side right now. Let's go into the Biden basement. Now, while we've been so focused on our inner battles between the Republican Party, the leadership for the House of Representatives, and what these bills may look like moving forward under a little bit more conservative leadership, the Biden administration has not been slowing down at all. Now, Joe Biden himself may have been slowing down some, but the Biden administration has not been slowing down with what they've wanted to do to show that the Democrat Party is still working hard for themselves. Not for you, but for themselves, because really that's what the progressive agenda really looks like. One of those is a new executive order that has been passed on 
regarding artificial intelligence. Now, this is a tricky conversation to have because they're doing what they can to try and bring understanding to the issue. And while most of us don't really understand what artificial intelligence technology may look like or how it's going to change society, it is, however, going to change the conversation for us at least to understand it in some way, shape, or form. The laws that exist in place are already for you need permission to use someone's likeness. And a likeness could be their song, their voice, their image, a performance. Those laws exist. But what we're seeing now is with the use of AI, the amount of access of tools to the really the general public to create these real images or performances is now really available. And before it wasn't, you had to have knowledge and, and use of these more complicated editing tools. Now we can take our phone and we can wipe somebody out of a picture with one swipe. So what's happening now is, is just really the access. So the laws do exist, but you need to find and and you need to find what is being done wrong to that image and likeness. So that was Marva Baylor. She's an artificial intelligence expert. That had tip to Fox News with that audio. The new executive order puts a little bit more regulation onto artificial intelligence. Now, that sounds good. And AI technology experts say that the executive order signed by the Biden administration is decent, but it doesn't go far enough, and they still have some reservations about what this may look like. According to Fox News, well, first, let's go to the White House website. It's first and what this bill actually does, because they try to lay it out to say what this executive order actually entails regarding AI. Now, for those that don't know, artificial intelligence, meaning the AI that's on your phone that can help you do things, that essentially plagiarizes what's on the interweb, not the definition of what Kamala Harris says, that it's a very technical term for uh, artificial intelligence and that it learns, and the more you input, the more it learns. That's not the case. The more information that you put into it, the more data it has to pull from. So you're not teaching it anything. It's just pulling stuff randomly and just compiling it all in a plagiarized manner, mixing it all down for you to be able to do an output. It doesn't learn anything. It does not have consciousness, the ability to learn and grasp and morph itself. It only regurgitates the information that you input with its data. That's it. That's all artificial intelligence is, and we have to be very clear about that. The reason is, is because people are going to start using this as fact. In, in fact, there is a church in the nation now, I don't know if you've seen this headline, where the pastor is using artificial intelligence to do the sermons. It's just pulling this information, regurgitating it, punching it out for the sermon, and the congregation sitting there listening to a computer or the new God that many are concerned about moving forward to do the sermon at a church. don't remember what church it was, but the headline was out there about a week ago which I think is very scary because what is it teaching us? And if we don't know the difference of what's right or what's wrong, then we would just blindly listen to it, in which case that would be the new God per se, because we don't know the difference between fact and not fact, truth and untruth. You know that we have a close relationship with Armed American Radio on this program and the great host Mark Walters, great personal friend. He, as far as I'm aware, I haven't heard any stories or the latest news in a while, but I'm, I think he's still under litigation for an AI story that came out saying that he was like embezzling money out of the Second Amendment Foundation, which is not true. In fact, but it came out with a court case number. It came out with the entire summary of the court hearings. It came out with the entire story saying that Mark had worked for the Second Amendment Foundation, that he was the treasurer and had embezzled like $5 million. 
And obviously that's not true in any way, shape, or form. He's never worked for them. He's best friends with Alan Gottlieb. But yet artificial intelligence had came up with a bogus story with an exact case number, the state that it was presented in, and the details of the case by fabrication. Absolute complete lies. This is probably one of the scariest things that has ever been presented to society outside of the dark ages when the churches kept you uneducated to where you couldn't read the Bible yourself or read any type of text yourself, and you had to go to the leaders to tell you what it actually said, which opens up the obvious doors for manipulation and false interpretation and the control over the masses. This is that new step. This is the new dark age that we're about to step into right now. And the Biden administration has now signed their executive order saying that they're putting protections and control onto the intelligence But you know what the executive order actually does? The executive order centralizes the power of that oversight and protection, of course, at the federal level. Now, you can already start seeing the the red flags pop up on why that would be a concern. Because if the federal government, and not the people, not the private citizens, not private entities, not the private corporations that'll be the ones holding AI accountable for what it actually does. The government's going to be centralizing that power, which is always the reason, uh, the end consequence of what Democrats always try to do. Let's centralize power. When they do that, then we can see exactly where this is going to lead to. We'll never know if something's true or not true, and the government will be the end-all be-all to make that decision on whether artificial intelligence has manipulated the data or the truth, air quotes here, of that's being presented to the general population. I'm sensing a return to the dark ages all over again, aren't you? Lots more coming up on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. So according to the White House, this new executive order on artificial intelligence is a good thing trying to put regulations on it to make sure that we protect the American people. But if the government's doing it, how well are they protecting us with all the other rights? And shouldn't there be at least some duality with transparency here and oversight between the federal level, the public, and the private sectors at minimum? which is what many are requesting, according to some other AI experts and Fox News. They say that they're looking for maybe that and giving some people the opportunity to be on a committee to oversee this, or at least having their say in court as well with the ongoing concerns about the growing technology of what this could lead into, which we don't really know what this is going to turn into at the end of the day. Let's just be honest. But according to the White House, here's the bullet points from this executive order. It requires developers to have some of the most powerful AI systems share their safety test results and other critical information with the U.S. government. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's not like the government doesn't already have that, right? Develop standards, tools, and tests to help you ensure that AI systems are safe, secure, and trustworthy. Protect against the risk of using AI to engineer dangerous biological materials. What does that even mean? Like, are we going to have AI like building bombs or something? Because that's a little weird. Protect Americans from AI-enabled fraud and deception by establishing standards and best practices for detecting AI-generated content and authenticating official content. Establishing an advanced cybersecurity program to develop AI tools to find and fix vulnerabilities in critical software. And order the development of a national security memorandum that directs further actions on AI and security. A lot of that, I'm sure, just went over a lot of our heads. 
to understand what this actually means. But the protections they're trying to put in place, I don't know are necessarily enough as we try to understand exactly what AI is going to be. And why are we always just solely relying on the government to do some of this? While this may be a step in the semi-right direction, it almost seems like a swing and a miss for the Biden administration all over again from the latest in the Biden basement. Let's go into the Biden basement. Now, here's honestly the fear. Here's honestly the fear that we have with this because we know that we've already started using this type of technology for the federal government. And in fact, they're using it for many of the departments and agencies. Andy, what do you mean? Well, if you remember all the way back when, when we first started hearing about ESG, which is essentially the social credit score for businesses, it's going to lead to the social credit score for the consumer, which is going to lead to essentially the social credit score for the entire country, that the government gets to decide what you get to partake in within society or not, they already wanted to start using artificial intelligence to automatically screen businesses based on their ESG scores. They didn't want to have to go through the individual and hear a sob story or hear about the personal story of the business. They wanted an ESG artificial intelligence program set up to where the business gets looked at from the government's AI system to say, are you doing enough for governmental services? Are you doing enough for environmental services? Are you doing enough for equity, not equality, but equity among the people? Are you doing enough with all of these social things that we want to focus on as a progressive left-wing socialist society? And if you checkmark the certain percentage, then you get the automatic grant or you get the loan or you get the government contract or whatever they're going to start looking at. They want an AI system for that already, and they're starting to implement that already. Now, when they centralize the power at the federal level on AI in general, what do you think is going to happen? We're going to see a massive artificial intelligence push of social credit scores in the nation based on the technology that you have and that you're utilizing and that the government's watching you utilize while they continue to collect the metadata. I'm not putting on a conspiratorial tinfoil hat here. This is real because it's already happening at a corporate level and at a federal level for the corporations, and it's going to come down to us. We need the private sector to oversee this. Why? Because if the corporate sector, the private sector, is overseeing AI and there's a lot of lawsuits going on about fraudulent activity or information about an individual, guess who's going to get sued? The business. But what are we going to do? They're going to try and get protections like they do the pharmaceutical industry where there's no protection or where they, they're all protected and we can't do a thing about it. And it's all lingering with the federal government. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason Meets Radio. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into The Voice of Reason. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride today for the middle of the week and for All Saints Day after the Halloween celebration. Really happy to have this next guest back on the program. It's good to be back to work in Washington, D.C. as we see all the shenanigans that have been going on up there. And let's see what's going on with the latest. It's Congressman Bob Latta from the great 5th Congressional District for the great state of Ohio. Congressman, how are you, my friend? Great. How are you? Yeah, doing good. It's always good to chat with you. Uh, first off, we got to ask, how does it feel to be back at work now that we uh, have a new Speaker of the House and we actually see some movement again? Well, you know, uh, the United States has never seen what happened uh, in the, when we uh, had eight Republicans 
join with 208 Democrats to vacate the chair and knock Kevin McCarthy out as speaker. And then, of course, Steve Khalif couldn't get the 217 votes in our side. And then Jim Jordan couldn't get the 217 votes. Tom Everett couldn't get the 217. So it's good that uh, Mike Johnson is now the speaker, and he actually did get every Republican vote, which is the first time that's ever happened since I've been in Congress. That is good news. I have to ask you, what were some of the conversations you were hearing internally and behind the scenes? Because I had heard that Mike Johnson had worked closely with Jim Jordan, and it seems like Mike Johnson's a very conservative individual, very faith-based individual. Uh, so what, what was the difference between him and Jim Jordan, and why was he able to unite the party, but not someone like Jim Jordan when they're relatively the same on the conservative level? Right. Well, you look at all of the candidates that were out there, All you had to do was have uh, five or six or eight or 20 people say, we're not going to go that way, and stop. Yeah. And I think with uh, Mike being literally, you know, uh, when you think about it, he was the fifth person that we had uh, up after McCarthy. And I think uh, some people uh, just came to the conclusion, we've, we've got to move forward. Uh, you know, Mike does have very conservative credentials. Uh, and the other part of it is, I think it's really important that you had, you know, we have about 15 plus members that are running in very Democrat districts, yeah. and uh, they even vote for Mike. So I think that, you know, he's Mike's a more low key, and uh, you know, I think that it might be one of the things that was in his favor that uh, he was more low key in going forward. Sure. Well, and I will say it is nice to show that we have the depth within the Republican Party to go that deep into the ranks and pull out someone that can be a leader, that can be conservative like that, and is willing to fight. So I'm excited to see the future with him as speaker and uh, and see you guys get back to work, which it sounds like you guys have been really uh, you know hitting the ground running here. We passed an appropriations bill last week. That was phenomenal. Almost a trillion dollar in spending cuts. We repealed the waters of the U.S. rule. We're trying to rein in some of these electric vehicle mandates from the Biden administration. I mean, this energy and water appropriations bill was fantastic. Uh, what was the process behind that one? Because I know you guys have a lot of other ones that are in the works right now, too. Well, and you see, this is why it's so important to our appropriation bill and not do the end of the year omnibus tax. Like, always seem to always come up. You can get into these line items one by one and really check and say, you know, is this really necessary? Do we need to be spending this much money? Uh, first of all, we don't have money to spend. We're, you know, we're, we're truly uh, about bankrupt. If we're not bankrupt already, we're deserting the train. So I think it's important that, and speaking on our side, that people really look at it and say, okay, look, you can actually get into these bills now. Yeah. As we're going to do this, uh, this week, we want to get three more appropriation bills done, which are the uh, transportation and uh, housing river development, the interior, and, the, and uh, one other uh, bill that's coming up, hopefully, that when we get these things up, we go into it, we can tell, we can cut and start, you know, uh, reducing this out-of-control federal spending, because we all know that the, uh, the Democrats, uh, when Biden first came to office, got $1.9 without paying for it, and I'd like to have the American people tell me where that money went. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is optimistic, and it is great to see. Here's the big question. We're just weeks away from the ending of the continuing resolution again. Are you confident that we're going to see all the appropriation bills done by then, or do you think we're going to have to see an extension to finish this stuff up? We, we might, you know, this talk, we might have to do another uh, short term, but the main thing is we want to get all these bills going to the Senate. Yeah. Because it's what we call, we don't want the Senate to jam it and just pretty much pass something and send it all over to us if they were done. So we want them to sit down with us and we have to do what we're supposed to do, have conference community, negotiate these things. And uh, and I know especially, uh, you know, we're going to have the Israeli uh, uh, bill up this week. And the good thing about that is that we separated it all up. Biden wants to have one massive package. We're saying, no, we should cut these things up in the individual uh, spending bill. And so I think that's important. Plus, like with the Israeli bill, we're going to uh, take the, the dollars that the, the Democrats came up with uh, for the IRS and say, look, we're going to move that uh, off that debt so we're not spending two dollars on uh, uh, Israeli uh, Israel's defense. Yeah. Yeah, it is good news. That was the first real big challenge with the new speaker is uh, passing that bill. First off, to say that we stand with Israel, which is weird how we saw 10 people actually vote against something like that. Most of them Democrats on that. So that was kind of strange. But then the splitting of the funding between Israel and the Ukraine. And we're really seeing a difference in uh, even opinion within the Republican Party. We have the House right now with you guys that are splitting the two funding so we can look at each one of those separately. But then we hear the message that Kev, uh, that Mitch McConnell on the Senate side is wanting to push for the bill that was pre- uh, presented by the Biden administration to just lump them together and move forward that way. So this is really the first test, I think, that we're seeing for Mike Johnson and for you guys in the House of will we be able to actually separate these bills and do it properly with two separate uh, situations right now? Well, you know, I, I think that there's a good possibility of that happening because, you know, there's senators over there, they're already saying that they like what we're doing. So, you know, if we, you know, again, if you, if they see bills coming out with total public support uh, on these legislation, then it'll help them. And they sit down their uh, conference over there within the, within the Republic and say, you know what, we can do this and uh, split these bills up. And that's what the American people want. They want us to delve in giant package and say, well, there it is. And it's much better to deal with these things on a smaller level. Amen to that. We're talking with Congressman Bob Latter from the 5th District of Ohio. Let's look down the road a little bit and let's say that we pass these Israeli and Ukrainian funding bills. We pass these continuing resolutions. We finally get our budget under control, which is the first time that we've actually seen that since prior to the Barack Obama administration, really to actually not have an omnibus package. The Biden administration has come out and said that because of some of the cuts and cleaning up that you guys are doing, that more than likely he's going to veto some of these appropriation bills, which could lead to a stagnation again with the economy, a potential government shutdown. What would that scenario look like? And are Republicans willing to stand their ground and fight this, regardless of what kind of attacks we're going to see from the Biden administration? Well, and again, you know, when, with Biden, you know, he'll say something and do something different. We, we might all remember <laughs> that uh, he would never negotiate with us. And he said that for months, yeah, uh, a, a year ago. And what he do? He turns around and negotiates with us. Yeah. So I think it's. I think uh, again, it, when the push gets to shove in this situation, that the, the president's got to look at this and say, "Look, you, if you, you, you'll be the one shutting this stuff down, not us." You know, Congress would have acted. Because if we can get this to a debt, that means the Senate uh, voted with us to get this, to get these corporation bills done. And uh, that's really the ball falls back in 
Yeah, that'll be good news. Uh, real quickly, let's focus. We got just a couple minutes left here. Let's focus on Israel right now and some of the uh, issues. I know that we've sent more troops over there. We've seen the uh, our, we've seen the news that uh, we could see Turkey getting involved with this. Iran has been trying to attack our own soldiers. It's unfortunate with how long this is being drawn out already and how this could escalate. Are we concerned about this escalating further and this turning into a major conflict that we're going to be heavily involved in? Do you think? Well, you know, anytime you're dealing with Iran, you have a, a real problem. Iran is the, is the country, the largest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. That uh, the uh, Iranians are the ones that are uh, backing Hamas and Hezbollah. They're, that's where they get their money from. And uh, so, you know, they're, they're acting as Iran's proxy. Uh, you know, Iran has really two, two goals. One is the total destruction of the state of Israel. And the second is they want to destroy the United States. They see us both as the uh, they're, they're, they're evil ones in the world, and they want to they want to take us out. So you know, I think the best thing to do is to make sure that Israel, especially for their Iron Dome, which is their air defense system, you know, Hezbollah estimated has a hundred thousand rockets uh, that they could fire at Israel. Iron Dome can never protect uh, Israel from that mass attack. I know when I've been to Israel and uh, talked with them about Iron Dome, and that's, that's the point I brought up way back when. If yeah. in a major attack, they're going to they're, they're have to protect their core population areas, and the rest of those missiles are going to strike. So yeah. it's, you know, for, for us, we have, we have two battle groups over there right now the, uh, the uh, Eisenhower and the Ford battle group. Uh, so, you know, we want to make sure that, especially after, uh, especially where there are attacks made on U.S. military installations over there, that the United States protects uh, not only Americans, American service men and women, but uh, make sure that Iran can't keep expanding. You know, this administration early on pretty much kind of said to the Iranians, keep working on your nuclear program. That's the dumbest thing you could do. That's Congressman Bob Ladder from the 5th District of Ohio. Congressman, I have to admit, I am excited about going into the end of the year, what you guys are working on. And I have to say that I think with our new Speaker of the House, I am optimistic that we're going to be uh, fighting that good fight for the long haul. And I appreciate everything that you guys are doing, Congressman. We appreciate the time very much. Keep up the fight. Let's really? get another update from you again here real soon. Really appreciate it. If I've talked to you before, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Indeed. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you had a great Halloween as well. Happy holidays to you. We'll talk again real soon. Got to take a break right back here on The Voice of Reason. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Thanks again to Congressman Bob Ladder coming on the show, 5th District of Ohio. Always love him. Appreciate it very much. I know it was a little hard to hear on that. He was on a cell phone traveling to the airport as he was heading back to Washington, D.C. Uh, on that. But great information. And can you imagine, man, we are at a pivotal point for the Republican Party. And while we're looking for, I mean, we got to admit, Ken Buck, who has announced his retirement after five terms in the House of Representatives from the state of Colorado, he's right. 
We are in an identity crisis, and that's why it was so vital for us to get Kevin McCarthy out to get a conservative in, like we see with Mike Johnson, and how we're going to start seeing things really turn around and at least fight a little bit harder for what we stand for instead of just cowering like we do each and every day uh, to the Democrats when they bully us because already the Biden administration is looking at vetoing the Israeli bill. Imagine that, if you will. We have a bill that's going to fund our ally Israel. In the Biden administration, Joe Biden wants to veto it because it doesn't have funding for Ukraine as well. So we can't pass one and then look at discussing the other. It has to be both of them or else neither will get it and we're all going to die in the streets, right? Like that's what we're getting from Democrats right now. Either you do it our way, which is all lump sum together to where we can't really track where all of it's going and the majority of it's not going to go to where we actually want it to go. Or we're not going to pass either of them, and they can both suffer. Like, you want to talk about the ultimate narcissist, man. Democrat Party, they don't really care. This is going to come down to the federal budget as well. When we do pass these 12 appropriations bills, even if we do have to extend the current continuing resolution for a short amount of time, I'm totally okay with that if we actually see the job get done, which we haven't seen in 20-plus years. That's good news. And if we're able to do something like that, then all the power, you know what, let's extend it and let's see these bills happen. But the Democrats say they're not going to be beholden to the Republican extremists. The Biden administration already says that they're going to veto the appropriations bills that are coming out because it reverses the majority of his policies. And if they veto it, then they are the ones. Remember, we have to be very clear on this. They are the ones. Not to be divisive here. But the Democrat Party, they are willing to let the American people suffer because they'd rather see nothing get done instead of the thing that they don't want to see done. They're not willing to compromise. Now, Republicans have compromised for years upon years upon years, and our compromise is, okay, we'll give you everything you want if you just throw a bone for us and we get a couple of our pet projects. That has been the Republican Party for decades, and it's time for that crap to stop. So the Democrats now, they don't know how to negotiate. They've now grown up to be the new participation trophy, I get everything I want children, like the next generation uh, that we're seeing in society right now. And they don't know how to compromise. They don't know how to work together because they've already gotten everything they want. They always do. They are the child that just throws the temper tantrum in the candy store, and then the parents get them anything they want to, so that way they shut up. That is the Democrat Party. They are self-centered. They are egotistical. And they are narcissistic. And yes, they do control the Senate and the presidency. But the House holds the power of the purse. The House is what sets the federal budget. And while we may see a few different compromises here and there, actual compromise is what we may actually see. And the Democrats don't like that. To them, it's all or nothing. Give us everything we want or else we will not go along with it and it's your fault. Like that's the isn't that the abuser? Isn't that what we see in abuse cases of like the the guy who's like railing on a female and saying it's all your fault you're making me do this because either you do as I say or else it's your fault. Why did you make me do this? That's what the Democrat Party is. They're extremely abusive to the American people. They're extremely abusive to the Republican Party because either you pass all of our bills together or else it doesn't happen and it's your fault that they're failing and don't get all the money that they need. It's your fault, Republican Party. It's what they're saying. They would rather not send money to Ukraine or Israel by not sending it in a complete package together as opposed to saying, you know what, let's deal with the Israeli thing. We'll pass it. Now let's negotiate and find a way to compromise on a funding bill for Ukraine. They're not willing to do that, and that just shows where they're at. The funny part is is that they're now trying to attack Mike Johnson on another level because, well, he's a radical 
election denier, extremist, MAGA conservative for the Speaker of the House, and now they're upset because they can't find any uh, financial trails on him and says that they he doesn't have a bank account. Oh, yeah. he Mike Johnson, representative from the state of Louisiana, doesn't have a bank account. Now, what's more likely, according to Yahoo News, is that he does have a bank account but doesn't have a whole lot of money in them, lives paycheck to paycheck, and doesn't have the multi-millions of dollars Another trigger warning for the establishment who just can't believe that they pulled this guy out of nowhere to become Speaker of the House. And of course, according to Yahoo News, they definitely call him the election-denying right-wing radical nutjob Republican that he is because he's not part of that clique, that part of that gang, part of that establishment that's supposed to be running Washington, D.C. What's the world coming to when we actually change leadership in the Republican Party? It Oh, it feels so nice. That does it for us today. Podcast up in a little bit. Back at it tomorrow for our pre-Friday celebration. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is the voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.